Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Father God, we thank you that you are God, that you are our Father, that you know what's going on, that you watch over us, Lord God. You've sent your Holy Spirit to guide us. And yet, Lord, in these very perilous and difficult and dangerous, hostile times, Lord God, you have given us, you have given us a way to um, stand and having done all to stand, to come into your presence. And so I pray today, Father God, that you would take away every spirit of fear and you'd calm your people down, give us peace. Give us the revelation of who you are, of who you are, because that is our comfort, knowing who you are, that you are good, that you are able, that you will protect us, Lord God. And I pray that you give us ears to hear and to understand so the enemy cannot snatch this word of comfort, this word of warning out of our minds and out of our hearts, Lord God that you will give us the grace and the transformation that needs to happen, the conversion, so that we no longer walk in the middle of our mess, but we walk in the power of your, of your truth, that we will not be victims of your judgment or of the judgments that are coming upon this world, but that we'll be victorious in and looking forward and rejoicing in the coming of Jesus Christ. So cover us, Lord God, even as you've promised, and that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken will be able to be used to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach to us and our families, to those who work for us and pray for us, the many that have come to us, for your people, the remnant, that you would intervene in our lives this day. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. This is Life Recovery and True Light Church, bringing you Rescue Radio. Just FYI, we don't often introduce ourselves. I'm Margie and... I'm Jerry. All right. And so today the topic is scary topic, so fitting for this time of the year when we're all inundated with horror and Halloween, et cetera, yeah, that Christians could even celebrate Halloween or participate in is beyond me. But anyway, listen up or listen at your own risk or turn off the, the, sh- the show right now. But we encourage you to stay and to listen for the whole thing because the hope comes at the end. So what are the chances that we can pray this thing down and avoid the judgments that are coming upon the world of praying? You know, people have said if you humble themselves and pray, Pray this thing down. Uh, pray away the second coming. Pray away uh, Armageddon. Pray away uh, whatever's going to happen. Russia nuking us or being fried with the, the cell phone radiation. What are the chances, honey? Well, you know, I, I, the Second Chronicles seven fourteen about people humbling themselves, praying, uh, seeking His face, turning from their wicked ways. That's been going on among, among a group. Of people, you know, people that really are praying and are seating for a while. And I sense that uh, a lot of people have gotten kind of discouraged with praying that prayer. Well, and we're not here to discourage them or to tell them to stop no. praying by any means. Please keep praying, keep interceding, keep That's right. coming before the high court of heaven, the judge and the, the judgment seat of Christ, uh, the judgment seat of, of God to bring your, make your request be made known. Well, what happens too is sometimes we just get discouraged because it's like it is. You know, it is what it is. That's a well. Terrible the world has approach. been in the crisis 
for since um, the Garden of Eden. It actually. is what it is for since the Garden of yeah. Eden. And, you know, this is not the first global crisis that mankind has ever faced. You've already mentioned that. Right, um, right. The Garden. I, I mean, really, if you look through, even through the pages of Scripture, there seems like there's one crisis after another. Exactly. If you look through world history, yeah. one crisis after one, one war after another, one dictator after another. One, one intervention of God after another, right. one, you know, setting the captive free after another. And so we see the whole battle between God and Satan looking kind of like a chess match with Earth being the board, mm-hmm. the, the game board. Well, if it, if it wasn't for the intervention of God in various situations, right. we would have been consumed, you know, a long, long time ago. So God intervenes in behalf of nations and individuals groups of people. And so this mm-hmm. intervention is, is still going on. Mm-hmm, so right. e- even in the midst of all the, the swill of what's happening worldwide under the surface, uh, on the surface, <laughs> God's uh, uh, the world of evil in mm-hmm. the midst of the operation of the God, small g, G-O-D of this world, Satan, God is intervening. His kingdom is coming. Mm-hmm. His kingdom is, is at work. The power of his kingdom is still at work in individuals, in groups, uh, his power has not diminished whatsoever. Right, and that power operates as the as salvation in the individual, um, and rescue many times in in uh, the corporate setting. But salvation comes to set us free from the inner lockings of the body of death, which operates through our soul to corrupt um, our life forces and give us diminish us to a heap of ashes. The body, the, the operating forces in the evil of the world, the gods of this world, the elite, the Illuminati, the whatever, they also have a, an agenda. So there are two different battlefronts that we're talking about. One is internal to each individual. The other one is the external, the global front. And, you know, as we talked about a minute ago, the global crises have never left Earth either. We've got the first global spiritual crisis with mankind losing the garden when Satan, the serpent, came and, and the treacherous evil one set Eve up, deceived her, and everything was seemingly lost. At that point, God had to step in a divine intervention, which he did when he declared over the, 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 the serpent, the, the, the snake, the devil, that God would send the head, the head crusher who would crush his head. And this one would come through the seed of the woman, the woman's uh, offspring, the descendant of the human would crush the head of Satan. This was the, and so this is where we see the second global crisis where Satan had to take uh, opportunity to stop this head crusher from coming. And so that was when this, the second crisis began when the, the watchers, the fallen angels called watchers descended on earth and corrupted the seed of the humans by interfacing with them, having sex with the, the sons of men. And um, what followed was the God's second divine intervention, which was the flood to remove the corrupt DNA. No one in his generations was the only one left found with good DNA, which good DNA was vital to uh, pave the way for the coming of the Lamb of God because he had to be human. He couldn't be part human and part demon. He had to be all human to make this thing work. And the third global crisis was actually at the crucifixion of the Lamb of God, the Son of God, who was sent to deliver the world. And so um, to expunge the sins of whosoever will or was willing. And that offer is still good down to this generation. And the fourth global crisis 
is the one I see that we're entering in now, which is the return of the king to receive his kingdom. The second coming, um, obviously, where he wants to take up his kingdom, his rule on earth, which is what he's going to do, and his uh, capital city will be Jerusalem. Of course, that's going to be met with opposition by the God of this world who thinks he's got it all sewed up. And he's not willing, Satan, not willing to give this thing up without a fight. He's got way too much invested here. He's worked way too hard to let this thing just sort of slip out of his hands. So this fourth crisis, uh, the return of the king, the one, the, the crisis that we're, we are born into this time for such a time as this, is going to be prefaced and surrounded by wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, pestilences, deception, spiritual deception, and fi- the final rising of the elite forces of darkness and their final and finest hour when all hell will literally break loose on the face of the earth and in the hearts of men, when the, the, even the, the, the abyss is going to be opened up for whatever's in there to come out and afflict mankind. So you can see what are the chances that we're going to pray our way out of this one? Well, there's certain things that are going to happen. You know, God has prophesied those things. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of this in the uh, book of Revelation, the various uh, bowl judgments, the trumpet, trumpet judgments yeah. and so forth. We see these things. These things are coming upon the earth. We can't do anything to stop that. But in in the midst of this, though, God is at work. But what we have to see is that what it says in Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. So all of creation, really, even the, in outer space, there's, yeah. there's, there's a pain, there's a growing, there's a deterioration, there's a demonic kind of interpenetration of, I mean, around the, the, the stars, moon, planets. I, I don't know what influence he has. He is not omnipotent. He is not everywhere present. Creation of God. And we specifically looking on the earth as things are going on the earth, even the natural disasters, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the wars, the, the things, the interactions of people that are, are so destructive. But there's a purpose in this, and it's bringing something to birth. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, Margie, it's the coming of the Lord. It's the coming of the kingdom of God. So we can lose focus. It's mm-hmm. like a, a woman having a baby. To, uh, there's all the labor pains, but there's a baby coming. Mm-hmm. Right, so, Two, a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. That's exactly what's happening here. It's the birth pangs of the bringing forth of the second coming, the coming of our king. And so, and also at the same time, we have the new, we have to deal with the old. And the old is the, the wrath and the indignation uh, at the iniquities, the culminations of God's indignation when the cup of his wrath is overflowing and the conflict of the ages will commence because there hasn't been the ongoing repentance or walking in the truth. People have walked in there and worshiping idols. They've loved themselves more than God. Um, and he as the Lord has never changed. He has continued to have pity and mercy, pardon and forgiveness. He's never changed. He's walked with us through our afflictions. He's been faithful. He loves us. He pities us. He redeems us. He bears and carries us with him. But we continue to rebel and to grieve his Holy Spirit. So he has to turn himself against us like an enemy. And that's what it says in Isaiah chapter 63. We put God in that place where he can't treat us like a parent. He's got to treat us like a disciplinarian um, or an enemy. There's a parallel pattern to what's going on in the United States. That's in Second uh, Chronicles uh, chapter 36, verses 11 through 16. 
Just listen carefully as we read this. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king. All right, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem, a young leader. And he, verse 12, he did evil in the sight of the Lord his God and did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet who spoke from the mouth of God. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar who made him swear an oath by God, but he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord God of Israel. Moreover, all the leaders of the priests and the people transgressed more and more according to mm-hmm. all the abominations of the nations and defiled the house of the Lord, which he had consecrated in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, Mm -hmm. and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. The word remedy there means there was no healing, no deliverance, no cure. They had crossed the line. They had gotten to the point of no return as, as a nation. Now, you see it in the political realm here. You see it in the religious realm. You see that they were they were warned. They had a prophetic word. There were true prophets. There were a lot of false prophets in this day, but there were true prophets like Jeremiah that spoke the word of the Lord. But there are uh, some people that would say, Marjorie, that in America we have just crossed the line to a point where there is no cure, there is no remedy, there's no hope to turning our nation back to God. Let's address that for a little bit. Um, Well, crossing the line, what is the line? Only God knows what that line is. Right. And that line is really pertains to each individual's heart. Um, And I believe that we can recross the line. If you've hardened your heart against God and you've followed the the idols and the gods of this world and their, their theories and philosophies, if you've been duped and deceived and controlled, by the God of this world, the body of death operating systems that have programmed you from your birth and beyond before you even were conceived were already in place. God understands the treachery of the evil one and his trickery. God understands all of that. And so we're not here to ask God to understand what he already knows, but we might be here to remind him. And in reminding him, we, we also acknowledge our own, our own sin and need for a savior. So I believe that this is going to be, going to go down to each individual heart it's not yes there are groups there's no place technically of safety there's no no land of goshen at this point where everybody can go over there and be safe and it won't be bombed and it won't be plagued and it won't be infested with plagues and mosquitoes or whatever there is no place like that but there is a place in the will of god where you can be safe and where your heart can be right and um but the, the critical thing with this nation is and we see the hand of God even doing mysterious things now. There's yet more to come. We've only begun, just just begun to see the hand of God move or the, the, the putting of these things into place. The, they have been, Satan has been working for a long, long time to set up his, his situation um, to attack his plots. His agenda has been going to, bla- to brainwash 
our us for for forever. I mean, seriously, I'm just going to tell you, unless you stay in the Word of God and read it and let the Holy Spirit guide you, you are brainwashed. There is no way to get around it, and and you're either brainwashed by the lies of the devil or you're trembling in fear, recognizing that you don't know what to do and how to get out of it. Only way to this peace and rejoicing is to stay in the Word of God. And exactly, this is not new to the to the world. Many times God has called his people back to repentance, back to order. Um, and in verse in Isaiah chapters 63, 4 and 5, it's kind of interesting. Um, he talks about in 63, he talks about uh, the Lord coming. Who is this whose garments are red um, like the one who treads the winepress? I've trodden the winepress alone and from the people no one was with me. I've trodden them in my anger and trampled them in my fury. Their blood is sprinkled upon my garments and I have stained all my robes for the day of, the venge- of vengeance is in my heart and the year of my redeemed has come. So this is, uh, this reflects back into or forward into uh, the book of Revelations where we talk about the, the coming of the one whose, whose garments are, are blood red, who has tread the, the fierceness of the winepress of the wrath of God. And we know him to be the King of Kings and the, and the Lord of Lords. And he has a name written that no one knows. Um, uh, so it's, it's like a, he's, there is this, this real here. It's uh, Isaiah, I mean, sorry, Revelations and it, uh, chapter 19. And he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. That would be Jesus. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that which with which he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now this is the uh, this is a prophetic word about Jesus' second coming uh, by Isaiah. Well, so we know that this is written and it will happen. There's no way you can stop a prophetic word when its time has come. And then he goes on to say, I looked, but there was no one to help. And I wondered that there was no one to uphold. Therefore, my own arm has brought salvation for me. So he's saying God was looking for someone. There was no other savior. He had to do it himself. His fury sustained him. He, he trod down, down the peoples in his anger. Those who were idolatrous, those who were rebellious, those who did not call upon his name, those who looked to the powers of darkness for their strength and their comfort. And then he goes on. Uh, in verse 7, to talk about the prayer of the remnant. And I think this is very important for you and I, because we are the remnant. How do we approach God in this situation where everything is already determined, basically, that the end is, is upon us and people can deny it. You can, you can downplay it. You can ignore it. You can escape it for a while. You can continue to play um, hard. I mean, when the Titanic was sinking, there were still people up in the, in the ballroom dancing. There were still people playing cards in the in the in the parlor there was you know you can do what you want with the information for a while but after a while it becomes all hands on deck and everybody for himself so to speak at least in the titanic so we see that there must be a place for the remnant an appropriate place for us to approach the throne of grace and mercy and to plead our case um and i think uh isaiah shows us how to do that um because he also knows that even though God is full of wrath and indignation, he, and he must judge the sin and he must deal with the devil and he must 
destroy his kingdom. He also knows that there's, Isaiah knows that there's a God of mercy who loves his people. And he was afflicted in their, in all their afflictions, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence went with them. He knew that from even how the Lord carried them through the wilderness. And this is God's heart. It's not his heart to abandon us. It's not his heart to, to destroy us. It's really not his heart to destroy any of us. He just must put down the evil. And those who are committed to the evil are also part of that evil. So he's not here to destroy the righteous. He's here to uphold, protect, aim, shield us. Um, it says, in his love and in his pity, he redeemed them, and he bore them and carried them all the days of old. But we see in verse 10, uh, again, of Isaiah 63, but then they rebelled and they grieved his Holy Spirit. So he had to turn himself against them again as an enemy, and he fought against them. So this is really, God has to respond to us as we respond to him. He can't allow us to worship idols and call upon the gods of fortune, destiny, and the lies and, and worship sticks and stones and then invite us to come into heaven with him where he is the Lord God. We don't have, if we don't have the intentions of worshiping and honoring him, then there's, then it would cho- totally be uh, unkind and disrespectful for him to expect us to come and worship him now in heaven when we did not want to do it on earth. He won't force anybody to go to heaven. And so he talks about um, as he prays, he says, look down from heaven and see your habitation um, where your zeal and your strength and the yearnings of your heart, where, where are your mercies towards me, he's saying to, to God. Are they restrained? I believe this is where we go to the Lord God. Now in the court of heaven, we say, and, and this, is, this is exactly where Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven. So, the Psalm, uh, so Isaiah goes on to say in verse 15, um, in verse 16, doubtless you are our Father. Though Abraham was ignorant of us and Israel does not acknowledge us, you alone are our Father, O Lord, our Redeemer. From everlasting is your name. O Lord, why have you made us stray from your ways and hardened our hearts from your fear? Return for your servant's sake and the, tri- the, the tribes of your inheritance. So he's saying, you're the Father, you're the potter, we're the clay. We were hardened, we were turned away. And in, and in some ways the prayer is saying, you know what, um, you let this happen, God. So we're your, we're your kids. Uh, return to us. Return. Come back. Um, for your holy people have possessed the promise, but a little, very little while. Our adversaries have tron, trodden down your sanctuary. We have become like those of old over whom you never ruled, those who never called upon your name. So he's saying, why would you, Lord God, want to destroy us? We're your children. We've been in this miserable place for a long time putting up with all this evil, this iniquity. Yes, we've gotten tainted, dirty, and messed up ourselves, but Lord, have mercy on us. And I believe that this is a fair way to pray. You go to God and say, you are our Father. Have mercy on us. We got caught in a, up in this sin, this lie. And that's exactly what Jesus and John said to do. When you sin, confess your sin, admit it, um, and, and get back into the place of truth and, and favor with God. You say, well, I can't do that because I've sinned too much or I'm too bad, or my life is too messed up. So you're actually saying that the, the situation that you are in, the trouble that you are having, is too big for the creator of the universe, for the God, the creator of all things. He, he who created light and darkness and day and night and the moon and the sun cannot possibly overcome your sin. You know, the thing is, 
you've believed a lie. And that is the lie, that, that nothing can save you. You're too gone, too lost, too bad to be saved. And that is the lie. That's the, the, the biggest lie of all that. You can't be saved. The second biggest lie is you don't want to be saved. Um, and third lie, you don't deserve to be saved. Well, you don't deserve to be lost either. You don't deserve to go down with the devil just because you were born onto the planet. God is all in favor of rescuing and redeeming us, even in the midst of this very dark hour. And believe you me, people, he will be redeeming and saving a lot of people in these last hours. We're not going to have a church revival. No church is going to be endorsed by the number of people it has in it. No, no church is going to be validated by the size of its congregation before the Most High God. What is going to be validated is the the power of the Holy Spirit and his liberty to operate within you as he will. That is what will validate us before God is our willingness to yield our will like Jesus did to the will of the Father. And that's where we're going to find safety. So we go into to Isaiah chapter 64, Jerry, and we see that the, 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 the Isaiah is praying, oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down. Well, is that a, you know, a good thing to pray? Because when God rends the heavens, they'll tear apart. And when he comes down, it'll be hell to pay. Well, I, I, Isaiah <laughs> sees that things are so critical that, that God has to, he's calling on God to manifest himself in uh-huh. great power. Because, uh, and whether he does that you know, individual or in, as a, in a nation or a group of people, this is what we're longing for. This is what the, the remnant, mm-hmm. but we're talking about remnant, we're talking about not the people that are, have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. Maybe mm-hmm. people who have been in that place, but they have come, the, tr- the true ones, the true ones that are crying and seeking after God mm-hmm. and, and longing and crying and, and wanting God to work in power. This is their cry. Oh, that you would redden the heavens, come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence as fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries that the nations may tremble at your presence. Uh, when you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down and the mountains shook at your presence. So God he says, for since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eyes seen any God besides you who acts for the one who, who waits, waits for, for him. him. So mm-hmm. we are, we are in need of, God acting in the hearts of people. See, only, for example, you know, many people in the younger generation, so many are being caught up with just fables, lies, fables, uh, what you call it. Media and marketing. Media and marketing. Yeah. Or, the, or the, the what's called the New Age movement, which takes on so many different forms. But of a lot lies. of people, mm-hmm. you know, just we, we were just with a large, very large group of people. Uh, in the last few days that whose minds are caught up with fables, mm-hmm. fables, true things that are not true, religious ideas that have been borrowed from all kinds of demonic entities that, and they're, they're living in a composite of those things. Mm-hmm. But our ministry and our role in this day is to bring and demonstrate mm-hmm. the truth of God. Paul said, we came in the, demonstration of the spirit of God and a power, the love of God, the truth of God, the prophetic word that uh, words of knowledge, words of wisdom from God that will speak into the hearts of people. The whole, the whole deal is like Jeremiah 
Isaiah, they spent years and years speaking the word of God, speaking the word of God, wanting to get through, and the people's hearts were hardened. They were blinded by idolatry and, and, and uh, sexual perversion and so forth. But I, I really believe, Marjorie, in this day, for the remnant, the remnant, God said he'd pour out his spirit upon all flesh. You know, sons and daughters would prophesy mm-hmm. and, and speak forth the word of God. As we speak forth the word of God, through not only our words, but through our actions, demonstrating the power of God, demonstrating the love of God. These, uh, th- this is how God uh, will work through us uh, to break through into the hearts of individuals of people. And, and then knowing at that point, once the breakthroughs there, knowing how to do this, the warfare, how to do the, the personal ministry that will set them free. I believe that what's happening is like a cauldron or a, a kettle that's set um, on a, a fiery um, oven, stove, whatever, source of heat that is causing all of us to squirm and be refined and burn. The, the dross, the sin, the self stuff, the religious garbage off of us so that we will be refined, that we become as pure silver and gold before the Lord God, that our heart and our faith will become refined. And so all of this is going on at the same time. God is bringing judgment, wrath, indignation upon the earth. Uh, He is dealing with the the adversary, the devil, who is the God of this world. Jesus is preparing to come back. And at the same time, God is calling for his individual people, the remnant, to declare their allegiance to him, to allow their lives to be converted, converted, to let go of your religious ideas and your um, preservation of self notions of survival and religious self-righteousness. Just allow the Lord God to lead you by his spirit, because there's no way you're going to figure out how to get out of this anyway. There's no amount of reasoning to bring us to freedom in this thing, no amount of clever uh, schemes or prepping that is really going to save us, it is the Lord God and his preparations ahead of time. That's why this is scary because no one really has that much control over what's going to happen and what to do about it or how to stay safe in it. The only way you can stay safe is to give the control over to God and then all you need to do is to know, to rejoice, to be and to receive the revelation of Jesus Christ because his spirit may guide you to go over here, go over there. And you may not even know you're being guided and God may just guide you into the safe place or he may be at the right place at the right time doing the right thing as opposed to being in the wrong place at the wrong time and being blown up or something. We are so dependent upon hearing the voice of God Mm -hmm. and then doing what he says. Now in these days, Let's talk a little bit about what do you believe are some of the ways that we need to operate. See, the remnant, okay? Okay. The people, the, the true ones of the Lord that God is speaking. Not everyone that seems to be true is true. Um, but there, God is raising up people from all, all ages, from all backgrounds, all situations. And some of these are, are, are hidden right now, and they're going to be revealed. What are some of the ways that you see how the remnant is going to be operating in the days to come? Before they can operate, they need to be free themselves. And I think this is the first step. And we see this even in our church where people are being set free and delivered from fear, demons, paralysis, 
physical ailments, situations, and or previous to that step, you see them bound in all kinds of life situations, health situations, relational conundrums. Uh, Just if you look around and if you're one of the remnant, you will just see the calamities, the catastrophes, the oppression, that the enemy has just been loosed or permitted to go after the people of God. Um, They are suffering. uh, And and in that suffering, many of them become overwhelmed and discouraged and want to throw in the towel and give up. And and I don't know where they think they're going to go. There's nowhere else to go except to the Lord. Peter says, well, where should we go? But in in the process of being super discouraged and um, frustrated, this actually this, situation you're in right now is really the refining of your faith it's really a good thing all things work together for good and in every bad thing there's a a good thing because god and satan are both working in the same place at the same time to do the opposite thing but i think what we need to understand jerry the first step once you recognize the predicament you're in um is to begin to understand why god is doing what he's doing in uh, chapter 65 of isaiah um it says um I stretched out my hand, verse two, all day long to a rebellious people who walked in a way that was not that is not good, according to their own thoughts. Uh, they provoke me to anger continually. They sacrifice in the gardens. They burn incense on the altars of bricks. They sit among the graves. In other words, they're spending time with the devil, looking at looking at, in, at night and spending night in the tombs, going to horror movies, uh, celebrating Halloween, um, uh, looking to magic and fables and Harry Potter and witchcraft and uh, magic stones and charms and yoga and all the fabrications that Satan has set before them as possibilities. They look at it as a possibility. They eat the food offered to idols, the broth of the abominable things. Um, And who says, keep to yourself, do not come near me for I am holier than thou. These are the, these are this activity. God says is smoke in my nostrils and fire that burns all day long. There are people both, on both sides, some who think, I'm holier than you, don't touch me, I've got it all right. I have the sacred way. I, you know, I found the secret passage of secrets. You know, everybody's into secrets, the occult hidden knowledge. So they go further into the occult to find more secrets so they can be more informed and more powerful and more advanced than their, their, other, their peers. Um, or he says, but, he, but God says, behold, it is written before me. I will not keep silent. I will repay even repay to their bosoms your iniquity and the iniquities of your fathers together, says the Lord, who have burned incense on the mountains and blasphemy on the mountains, on the hills. Therefore, I will measure their former works into their bosom. So God is saying, I, have, I, I am the judge. I have to do this. You, you, I am the judge. The judge cannot play favorites. The judge has to be the judge or he's, he's bought off. He's bribed. He's, he's a bad judge. He says, but this is the problem. No one in, in our communities, even in our more recent uh, practices of religion and church Christianity and building Christianity, you know, church as being a building, not a person. There's been no looking back to the iniquities, the sins of the generations, the, the sins of the fathers. And you say, well, that's all under the blood. It is technically, yes, in truth, it's under the blood. But in reality, Satan is still using it against us. And what God is simply saying, and this is why many of you still suffer under demonic judgments and the patterns of the life patterns of, of destruction, because you have not disagreed or canceled out or even recognized 
that this pattern is not from God because you don't even think about that. You don't think, well, why am I doing the same thing my parents did? Why is this thing happening to me over and over again? What's up with that? If the Bible says the curse without a cause is not coming, this is a curse, then what's the cause? That's a simple question we can ask. And the NIV does not set that very clearly out. So I would say that it's, there's purpose, purposeful deception and deliberate uh, misconstruing of things in various versions of the Bible, which also is another part of the treachery. But so he says, um, these sins, these iniquities, why are they a burden? Why are they a problem to God? Can he just forget it? Can he just forgive? Can he just give, give over? After all, he did say in Ezekiel that everybody be responsible for his own sins. So why is he continuing to have to hold this deal in his mind, the iniquities, your iniquities and the iniquities of your fathers together? You know, they burned incense, they blasphemed, they, they were idolaters, they crafted graven images, they practiced occult and sexual perversions and witchcraft. Why can't God just let go of that? Well, I'll tell you why he can't, because the devil won't. The devil keeps using these things as his evidence, his case, as he presents it against you before the high court of God. And so God is saying this thing is constantly in my face. You know, I've given you a remedy, but you guys have not even paid attention to the problem, let alone take the solution which is forgiveness, repentance, confession of sin, canceling out the agreements. So what happens is God is forced to, to deal with this because the devil puts it up in his face, just like the devil said to him, you know, Job doesn't really love you. You give him everything he wants. So God had to deal with the devil's accusations about Job by allowing Job to be put through the test, God himself being put through the test, his workmanship in Job being put to the test, to prove the devil wrong. But to prove the devil wrong, he had to let his man on, on the earth, his, his, his soldier, Job, suffer. He had to go through the battle of whether am I going to get mad at God and bitter against God and angry against God or whether I'm going to succumb to my friends and peer pressure and admit I did a sin when I didn't sin and, and come into it under the counsel of guilt and condemnation or bitterness. Job was a patient man. He basically said a lot of stuff, but he didn't say anything that would implicate or indict him uh, or give anything for the devil to work with before the court of heaven. He just kept talking about his misery, which, you know, was obviously the fact. So what we see here is what can people do? That's the first question. Recognize that the trouble you're in, the affliction you're in, the cauldron you're in is to perfect that which concerns you, to prepare you as a bride without spot or wrinkle. And why is that happening? Because the devil insists upon it happening and because God permits it, because God knows that he's able to bring us through it and it is what is required that you and I be victorious overcomers and proving the devil wrong. We're actually working with God to prove the devil is wrong about what he says. He says that no one will love God, that God will never be loved or pursued, that everybody's going to hate him and not, and not believe that he even exists or that he loves them. And so we're proving the devil wrong by standing and having done all to stand and looking to God in the midst of your trial. I don't care if it's lice on your child's head. I don't care if it's a poor a job, no job, homeless, um, sick, dying of liver cancer, whatever it is, you have a chance to let the Lord God act in your behalf, which is very honoring to him. You just, you don't have to fix it. You can't fix it. You need to surrender. Stop trying to stop, stop trying to rest. Stop trying to get well. Stop trying to fix it. Just let the Lord do what he wants. And you say, thy will be done. I'm your child. You are the father. I'm trusting you're going to do the right thing. Well, what happens too, oftentimes, you know, if if we're we're here to help others, right? 
And, and one of the, the devices of the enemy, of course, is getting, keeping us bound under the generational curses, bound right. in our own stuff, in our own unforgiveness, in our own uh, deception, in our own lies. And that's just a, it's really a perfect storm for the enemy. Exactly. Uh, you, you know, just, just keep the people of God all bound up, chasing their tails, and, uh, and so they're not going to be able to bring mm-hmm. a word of life and hope uh, you know, yeah. in, in their world. Well, I think, too, you know, because Isaiah 64 says it well, verse 7, um, there's no one who calls on your name who stirs himself up to take hold of you, um, for you have hidden your face from us and, all, and have consumed us because of our iniquities. Again, the, the problem is the iniquities have blinded us. They've either made us feel unworthy or uncomfortable that God is mad at us, but, but simply not being able to know God in this terrible time, not to know uh, or have a confidence that God is with you, God is good, God protects you, God's got this, God is for us, that in itself is a terror to us to not realize that God has got this thing. And so, um, again, so step number one for everyone is to recognize that we are tested, we are in these final days, and to get rid of the sins of your uh, generations by confessing them, by forgiving the people who did them because they were believing the lies, just like Eve did, just like we all did. Can forgive them, release them from your judgment, turn the judgments over to God, let God be the judge. When you pray, go before the court, you know, making your petition. Look, God, we're your children. You are our father. This is, you know, what we need. We, we you don't come saying, well, you know, um, if it's your will, God, if it's your will to do this or that. Of course, why are we saying if it's God's will? That would imply that you maybe aren't in God's will by praying it. And if you're implying or agreeing that you could be out of God's will asking for this thing, then you've already agreed with the lie because you're built to be in God's will, to want God's will, and you are to know that we are in God's will and to know that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That will of God requires this conflict to come to culmination so that the devil can be forever put down, destroyed, and thrown into the abyss, the shaft of, of, his, of, of hell, the, the power of that um, judgment of God to pull him off the earth, to remove him from the face of humankind is God's final, final desire, final um, judgment. Well, the Lord tells us not to be... Um unwise don't be unwise but understanding what, what the, the will of the lord, lord is. is and i really believe that's a key thing is that sometimes we just yeah we we do seek for the will of the lord we want the will of the lord but sometimes it, it's it's the pursuit of the will of the lord and sometimes it, it's not really guesswork it's not to be it's not meant to be guesswork. It's not meant to be guesswork because we say, okay, I've got to find the will of the Lord here. I've got to find the will of the Lord there. Yes, it is important, but we've got to come to the place where you have that confidence. Even though you're stepping into new territory, you're trusting that God is going to guide you, that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that well, if I acknowledge him in all my ways, he will direct my path. So even though I am not... I don't have it written, a 10-point plan in front of me from God. Mm-hmm. I can step forth with confidence, knowing, because I am guided by the Spirit of God, and, and I'm stepping into something, and it will, God will reveal to me, he'll confirm, 
yes. his will to me well, as, as I step forth in, into that, in, into what he is putting in my heart to do. Well, you know, the thing is, I think it's really simple. God made everything really, really simple because the devil makes everything really, really complicated. And the devil complicates the will of God. And, you know, you're built by God. Going back to the original design, we're not depraved. We're made in the image of Jesus, of God, through the word of God, which is Jesus Christ. And so, and by him and in him and through him, all things are held together and consist. So you're made already. Uh, your divine innate nature is to desire the will of God, to love and resonate with the truth, to come to the light. If that wouldn't be the case, then no one, number one, would have any chance or hope ever of finding the genuine truth because the devil has done such a massive job of distorting it. But when it comes to the will of God, you know, do I trust God? Do I, is that the question? Or do I know I have been built by God to trust him and I just go with what I know, that I am built by God, that God has made me and I've totally, I'm totally now in agreement with the way he's made me. He has made me to follow him, to trust him, to know the truth, to walk with him. Uh, to not have to worry about what I believe. I don't have to believe what I already know. I already know that he is good, that he is God. And this is the, this is this, the shelter. This is this, the refuge, the place of refuge in these days is to know who God is, to know that he is good, that he's got it, he's for you, he's with us, he's in the midst of us, he's our father, he's pleading our case, he will not um, allow any harm or danger to come to us. And that doesn't mean we will never be persecuted or suffer. That does not mean, I mean, in the midst of Job's suffering and misery, God was right there the whole time, you know, and God did not let Satan kill him. Now, sometimes God permits people to be delivered from the lion's den. Sometimes he permits them to be eaten by the lions. But in the perfect will of God, I am, have complete confidence that whatever the Father has chosen for me is the best, the best, better than anything I could conjure up or think for myself. So we have to go to God recognizing and humbling ourselves, that would be step two. Once you've identified the iniquities and confessed the sins, now we, we go to, God, like um, Isaiah 64, 8 says, but now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the, you, our potter, and all of, all of the works, and we are all the work of your hands. Then we say, and we, as we present our case to the Lord God, see, because the devil's made his case against you already, so now we're up there making our case. And here's the deal. We have Jesus Christ as the faithful witness. He's there to testify to what really happened. So we got truth on our side. And then we've got the Holy Spirit who has been sent to lead us. He's our, our counselor. To, he's like, you know, like when you go to court, you have to have a counselor. You have to have someone who advises you, a lawyer, attorney, advises you on how to present your case. I believe the Holy Spirit is the one who puts in our heart how to present our case before God. And in that way, he, he begins, God See, then we have a chance. We've got, and we've got the Father as the judge. We've got the Trinity helping us against the devil. However, they can't help us if we don't let them help us. If we go fearful, if we don't go to the court at all, or we feel like we aren't qualified or whatever, we don't come boldly before the throne of grace and mercy. Um, you know, I have a very interesting story that happened this week. Um, for all of you who know and don't know, it doesn't matter. We have some pets. And one of our pets, Dixie, a cat, had wandered off. And she was, she's an outdoor cat, so she does this once in a while. She wanders off. And um, she usually come, comes back every day or two, and she's at the door at night and wants her little treat. And so she, we can kind of keep tabs on her. Well, 
she'd been gone for a long time, many days, um, too many days for Dixie. I mean, and, it, and we had had five or four inches of pelting rain during that time when she's gone. And we're surrounded by cornfields that are big and tall. And we have a road right by our house that she, ha- she hangs out on sometimes. And the cars go really fast on our dirt road. So we have all of these very dangerous situations that could easily take a cat out. So she's gone for many days. And we began to be concerned about her gone. And and, um, uh, one of us, not me, but one of us was saying, oh, she's dead. I know she's dead, you know, and and we started getting dreams and and, and she's dead. And I know that she's never going to come back because this is the same time of the year that we've lost other cats. And isn't that interesting? Around September, you're going to start to see the devil grabbing up, scarfing up his sacrifices for Halloween. And that's exactly what I thought was going on. He was trying to scarf up little Dixie because she's a black cat. Not that black has anything to do with anything, but she's a tortoise. But anyway, so I said, and so I had a dream. And in my dream, I saw Dixie at the front door again. I thought, well, that means she's coming back. And I didn't really believe she was. I, I said to my friend, I said, I'm not willing to give her up yet. I'm not willing to declare she's dead. So that morning after the dream, I went before the throne of grace. And this is how I go. This is how you go before the throne of grace and mercy. It's just an example. I said, okay, God. I says, here's the deal. You know, she's our cat. I am not willing to give her up as a sacrifice to the devil. He doesn't get to have my cat as a sacrifice for one of his little, you know, steal her. I pray every day for our things to be covered and protected, no weapon formed against us, including our pets. And I says, besides, and this is where I believe the Holy Spirit gave me divine counsel. I says, besides, Father God, you already have the sacrifice you want. And that is Jesus Christ, who has paid for everything, including the return of Dixie, our cat. And so then that's how I prayed. I says, God, I'm not begging you. I'm not doing, I'm presenting this case. You already have your sacrifice. Okay, so you say, wow, wow, she's pretty arrogant. She's pretty bold. Well, it does say to come boldly, you know, God can handle his kids and he can handle me. (laughs) If I'm out of line, I'm sure he'll let me know. So I went upon my way that day, uh, no sign of Dixie. And then we had to all leave, so there was no one here. Um, So whether she came back or not that day, I don't know. But the next day, um, we were still gone, and um, someone was over here doing our pet chores, and as they opened the door to the cat house, Dixie comes bounding through the door, starving, mowing the food. She came home. God brought her home. I don't know if the angels got her home, but she was limping a little bit, so I can see why it took her a while to get home. But she's, well, she was fine. She's alive. No bad scratches. A little bit of limping. She's even got over that now. But see, the thing is, that was a tremendous, very specific answer to prayer and i'm and i'm saying if god cares about a cat i am sure he cares about you i'm sure he cares about your life your child the recovery of your child from that severe terrible uh assault accident crisis in your marriage what the devil's trying you go boldly before the throne of grace and mercy and allow the, the holy spirit to be your counselor and present the case to god as the holy spirit gives it to you and receive then your answer but you don't go in there you know with cluttered up with sins and cluttered up with iniquities and cluttered up with bad attitude and unforgiveness because then the devil's just going to throw the whole thing out of court and say, well, look, she's still, 
she still hasn't forgiven. She still hasn't, you know, she's still got all this stuff going. You've got to get cleaned up yourself or while you're in court, the devil will throw something at you. And the way you clean up is confess your sins, repent, and ask God to be your savior. You know, I, and your deliverer, your healer, your, your strong tower. Um, because the Lord God is the judge. And I want, I want to kind of wrap this up, honey. I don't know what you got yet to say, probably a lot. But I want to say something. Um, but before I do that, do you have anything to add to what I just said? Looks like you're kind of getting ready to say something. Well, it's the confidence uh, that we ask anything according to his will. We know he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know that we have the petitions we have asked of him. Speaking of that in First John. And so being filled with the knowledge of his will. So, so we know his will. We're coming into our prayers knowing the will of God. Yeah. And he's guiding us. And he's good. He's guiding us. And the confidence we have in these days is that uh, for as many, uh, Romans eight fourteen for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So we can be confident in the midst of the fray <laughs> that God, as we're looking to him, he is guiding us. He is guiding us. Amen. And he is... Um, He's also raising up people in the midst of this to do extraordinary things. Yeah, and they need to know that. And that's it. And that's too. And, it, and the way they know that God spoke prophetically to Isaiah, to to Jeremiah, to Moses. Here's the deal. I just want to just throw this in here, uh, without a lot of comment on it, but just to recognize the truth that in the midst of some of the most Horrible crises on earth. We read about them in the scripture. We see them through human history. God will raise up powerful men, powerful women to do mighty works. God does mighty works through them, through them in the midst of some of the most horrible, disastrous situations. Yes. And to know that you are one of those mighty men or women in Psalm 135 verse um, 13 uh, the psalmist is recalling God's um, uh, relationship and activities uh, in the midst of the struggles when the people were um, worshiping other gods and God declares that he is the Lord. And he, in verse um, 13, he says, your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your fame, O Lord, throughout all generations, for the Lord will judge his people and he will have compassion upon his servants. Then he goes on to say the idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak, eyes, but they, they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear, nor is there any breath in their mouth. And those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. In other words, they don't, the other ones who make them are blind also, deaf also, oblivious and dead also, because they're worshiping. We become or we can become like what we worship. But then he says, um, he goes on to say, that he will walk in the midst of us. Um, in Psalm 138, he says, though I have walked in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me in mercy, O Lord, and your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. So we see that God is committed to us, even in the midst of his own situation where he must judge wrath idolatry indignation evil judgments he must judge that he also remembers us and if we go to psalm 118 we will see again 
the promises of God in verse um, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. That's verse one. You need to know that. You need to know that God is not fickle. He's not sort of good, kind of good, maybe mad today and not tomorrow. Uh, it says in verse five, I called on the Lord in distress and the distress of nations is going to put distress upon us. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You might want to memorize some of this. The Lord is on my side. The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. And so he's saying here, this is our opportunity to declare our loyalties to God, to trust in him. Uh, In verse 21, he says, I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. So we see how the Lord God is faithful um, to answer us, to be with us in the day of trouble, to save now, O Lord, I pray. Send now prosperity. Bless is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord. He has given us light. And then he goes, see, the thing is, God, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. These are verses from Psalm 118. You might want to read that and realize God has not given us over to death, but he's given us over to um, victory and the revelation of his love and truth and de- delivering power. And then in the midst of the a great crisis in Israel, Habakkuk speaks with power in uh, 220 through uh, verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. But the Lord is in his holy temple. In the midst of all that's going on in the world and in your life, keep that in mind. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. And then it was a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet. He says in verse 2 of Habakkuk chapter 3, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. Mm -hmm. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. He says, okay, there's, there's the warnings of judgment that come. There are the manifestations of judgment and punishment from the Lord because of the iniquities of the people. But he says, in the midst of the revive your work. You know, we've seen the works of iniquity. We've seen the works of darkness. Now, Lord, bring back your work in the midst of the, year, in, in the years. In wrath, remember mercy. Bring mercy. And we are in need of the mercy of God. And it's interesting, the contrast here too, Marjorie, in Isaiah 65, it talks about uh, those who have forsaken the Lord. He's addressing, uh, he says, uh, verse uh, uh, 12 of Isaiah 65, he says, Therefore I will number you for the sword, and you shall all bow down to the slaughter, because when I called, you did not answer. When I spoke, you did not hear but did evil before my eyes and chose that which I do not chose that in which I do not delight. So he's talking about those that are refusing to repent, Mm -hmm. but then he contrasts this Mm -hmm. with his true servants. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is wonderful. This is a wonderful promise for us in the times in which we are living Mm -hmm. Uh, verses uh, uh, 13 Mm -hmm. and and, and 14. He said, behold, 
Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, my servants shall eat, but you shall be hungry. My ser- Behold, my servants shall drink, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but you shall be ashamed. Behold, my servants shall sing for joy of heart, but you shall cry for sorrow and wail for grief of spirit. So the promise is to the true servants of God. They shall, they shall eat, they shall drink, mm-hmm. they shall rejoice, they shall... Not be, uh, not be ashamed. <laughs> they shall sing for joy of heart, mm-hmm. and uh, so this is this is the promise. In the midst of all this, that God is reviving His work in His people, His true ones in these days. Amen. In Isaiah sixty-five, the va- the last verse here, verse seventeen, He says, "For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I create." So God is creating a new heaven and a new earth. This is the birth pangs of bringing forth that new creation for the return of the king, the true king of kings and the Lord of lords. So, Father God, we are anticipating with joy, with rejoicing, with rest, with courage, uh, with your faithfulness that you are for us, not against us. You're with us. You're in the midst of us. You've provided a shelter for us in the time of trouble. Lord God, that you provide drink and food for us as we need it, Lord God, that we know that we're not afraid. We're not scared. Lord God, we're standing, and having done all, we know that we will stand. And as you see fit, Lord God, you will guide and direct us by your spirit and deliver us from the hand of the evil one, and that you have already prevailed against the works of darkness, the cunning craftiness of the evil one, the conspiracy, the treachery that you have prevailed, Lord God. And for your glory, we give you praise. Amen. And Lord, I pray also that those that are there were individuals that are listening to this uh, broadcast right now, Lord, that those that you have called forth, you've called to the kingdom for such a time as this, uh, free them, uh, empower them, set them free to do unusual and powerful things Amen. for your kingdom's sake. In Jesus' name. And for his glory. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Check us out, liferecovery.com, truelightchurchmn.org. Join us on Sundays for worship in Dayton, or um, check us out on the web. Yep, 10 a.m., Dayton Activity Center. God bless you. you. God bless you. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.